Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the last episode Ooh. of this season. What the fuck? See, how did we get here? This is wild. I, I don't know. I just, I'm glad that we're doing something that's like kind of relevant to pop culture, <laughs> even though by the time this comes out, it's going to be like December. So, yeah. <laughs> We'll only be a month late. (laughs) We're still relevant. I don't care. Yes. (laughs) All right. Hello, everyone. I'm Nati, and I'm the annoying little kid interviewing her friend for her podcast, question mark. Hey, wait a minute. That sounds a a little familiar. What are you, Z? There is no Z. There is only Zool. (laughs) Oh no, not Zool. Zool. <laughs> That's right, everyone. Today we're going to be talking about Ghostbusters dot 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 afterlife. <laughs> All right, Z. So what is Ghostbusters about? Um, so it is a 2021, which we know because we just saw it, American supernatural comedy film directed by Jason Reitman, who co-wrote the screenplay with Gil Keenan. Mm-hmm. And it stars Carrie Coon, Finn Wolfhard, McKenna Grace, and Paul Rudd, while Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Singurney Weaver, and Annie Potts reprise their roles from the original films. Whoop it's whoop. the sequel to Ghostbusters of 1984 and Ghostbusters 2, both directed by Reitman's father and this film's producer, Ivan. And it's the fourth film in the Ghostbusters franchise. Mm-hmm. But we can Yay. just act like we can just act like Ghostbusters 2 doesn't exist. It's Ghost- not real. Oh, that was bad too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I remember seeing it uh, as a kid because I, like, I think it was just on TV, uh. and I was just in the mood for like something dumb and goofy, and I started mm-hmm. watching it, and I was like, "Ooh, this is this is bad." Oh, <laughs> I don't want this. Like, no. I mean, that contextualizes Bill Murray's dislike of sequels. Was he in Ghostbusters too? Were any of yeah. them? Oh, I guess maybe that's why they didn't want a third one. Yeah, I think it's hard to build on, like, any franchise. Like, a lot of times, especially in, like, the horror universe, you see, like, sequel bloating where things just get so convoluted compared to the original that it doesn't become (laughs) paranormal activity (laughs) yeah yeah like it's not it's not like enjoyable it's just weird as fuck like yeah paranormal activity is a good one the conjuring mutated into something (sighs) that's not what it originally was yeah like like the latest conjuring movie conjuring three the devil made me do it was just so bad oh (laughs) it's just like what the fuck (laughs) oh my god i paid money for this Uh... (laughs) um yeah but anyways yeah i don't blame bill murray (laughs) i see i see so uh heavy heavy spoiler warning ahead if you live under a rock and you didn't get to see this over thanksgiving weekend but Z, what is this movie about? Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so this movie, it starts 37 years after the first one. And basically Egon just dies. He mysteriously dies. And that's like what happens. Then later, Callie, who is later revealed to be Egon's daughter, 
and Callie has two children, Trevor and Phoebe. They get evicted from their apartment and they are forced to move into Egon's farm in Somerville. Now the local people call this farm the dirt farm because uh, Egon didn't farm anything on the farm. <laughs> and there's just like dirt everywhere. Yeah, and it's like apocalyptic with all these signs saying that the end times are coming or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, that's great. And Trevor meets this girl named Lucky who was working at a diner and he immediately has a crush on her. Mm-hmm. And Phoebe gets enrolled in summer school in Somerville. And her teacher's name <laughs> is Gary Gruberson, which is just <laughs> very important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Gary Gruberson's this great like science guy interested in science. And uh, he also ends up becoming Callie, Callie's boyfriend. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the, the science guy interested in science who does the science. Yes. Oh yeah, he's very <laughs> sciencey. Yeah, did I mention that? Awesome. Um, Phoebe, which is Callie's daughter, aka Egon's granddaughter, Ooh. she quickly finds out that the house is haunted. Surprise, surprise! And she discovers a ghost detector and a gl- ghost trap. Uh, later on the ghost leads phoebe to an underground lair where egon has kept all of his ghost busting equipment she realizes that her uh the ghost is in fact her grandfather and phoebe repairs uh egon's equipment with the help of her ghostly grandpa and tests it out the next day by trying to catch a ghost which specifically is a muncher which oh yeah yeah it eats metal which is just really great (laughs) Mm-hmm. yeah this this kid is brave but also stupid i would not fuck with the muncher yeah <laughs> but yeah it escapes and then flees into somerville where phoebe and podcast her friend meet up with trevor her brother uh in a now functioning ecto-1 mobile which is that ghost busting car <laughs> yeah you know the one we don't need to explain yeah. it further you know what we're talking about um so yeah phoebe then explains to trevor that they are descendants of a ghostbuster they chase and successfully capture the muncher uh however there is significant property damage that happens along the way as they're driving through uh the downtown area uh police get involved they arrest the kids yep confiscate their car and other ghostbusting gear and then out of a moment of desperation, Phoebe contacts the Ghostbusters number, which connects her to a red phone hotline. And she is able to speak with Ray Stans. Yay, Dan Aykroyd. Whoa. Ray Stans essentially tells her that Egon took the car and the gear before moving to Somerville, causing the other Ghostbusters to think that he had betrayed them. Dun, dun, dun. And I dun, should dun. note this, this is kind of just a very small detail, but I was with a friend watching the movie and he says that Ray Stance has a tattoo on his arm of a mm-hmm. Bible verse, mm-hmm. but the Bible, the book, it's the book of Revelation mm-hmm. and not the book of Revelations. So the tattoo on his arm is wrong. It has an extra <laughs> S in it. I just I thought that you should know that. That's super funny. Oh my God, Dan Eckerd, why? And it's like, you could look in every hotel room and find the correct spelling of that, I think. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> and like, oh, another side note, that yeah. same 
um, Bible verse is quoted outside of the dirt farm. So, oh, and it's probably also spelled wrong there. Probably, yeah. Yeah, great. <laughs> I do not remember that happened like way too quick in the beginning of the film. Yeah, yeah. But either way, okay. What happens next? So, Trevor, Phoebe, Lucky, and Podcast. Yes, Phoebe's name is Phoebe's friend's name is Podcast. They return mm-hmm. to the mine and they find a temple dedicated to Gozer, that first uh, Sumerian deity that like wreaked havoc in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Gary and Callie become the new gatekeeper and keymaster. So they naturally go into the mine and to the temple to like, you know, bring it, bring their, uh, their boss back to life. <laughs> boss. <laughs> yeah. The keymaster destroys Egon's trap, allowing Gozer to manifest. So basically Egon, they discover was not betraying the Ghostbusters. He was building a trap for mm-hmm. Gozer, but Thanks to the Keymaster, this trap is destroyed and Gozer is allowed to take like a kind of a human form. I would argue more of like, I feel like they were going for James Charles in their Gozer. Well, Gozer's supposed to be this androgynous being. Yeah, but I just, I don't know why. Like the way they did Gozer in the movie reminded me so much of James Charles. I was like, is this on purpose or by accident? And what does this mean? That's so ugly because that was Olivia Wilde. That's so ugly. Oh no. Oh no. Whatever that means. But either way, so Gozer in Olivia Wilde's human form comes out and (laughs) they try to trap Gozer there, but they fail. However, they manage to get Callie depossessed. So they put her in the car and then they run all the way to Egon's farm to try to get Gozer to go over there because the farmhouse is a giant, giant, giant trap. But that trap fails too. And then Gozer breaks Zul out. And then um, Zul, instead of possessing Callie, now possesses Lucky and is restored to full power. Also, side note, okay, I totally get why you thought that Gozer kind of looked like James Charles because mm-hmm. uh, I think Bill Murray, because, you know, he's a comedian in this. I think he literally calls Gozer flat top. Oh, which is, yeah, reference to the hairstyle, which is the same one that James Charles has. Oh, so, so yeah, so I, I can definitely see where you're going with this. Maybe this was intentional. <laughs> I mean, he he calls a Gozer flat top in the original as well. Oh. So maybe it's just like our modern perception of yeah. this character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, people getting possessed by evil guard dogs. That's cool. (laughs) After that happens, all seems lost to the Scooby-Doo gang. Uh, Ray arrives with Peter Venkman and Winston Zedmore, aka the other Ghostbusters that are still living. And they help the Spengler family. But Gozer breaks free by uncrossing their streams because now they're super buff in this uh, uh, reboot of the franchise. Uh, Phoebe attempts to save them by herself. And then Egon, cue the tears, materializes beside his granddaughter to help. (sighs) (laughs) And then Trevor is able to power the trap with his proton pack and the traps are triggered, finally trapping Gozer and its minions with them. Egon is unable to reconcile with his family and friends before finally vanishing into the afterlife. And then afterwards, the surviving original Ghostbusters return to New York City with the Ecto-1 and all their equipment. Okay, so if you're still with us and you want even more spoilers in case you missed the mid and post credit sequences, we're about to go through those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So in the mid-credits sequence, Venkman and Dana Barrett are now married and they're playing with Venkman's ESP cards <laughs> and the shock machine. <laughs> and I think it, it's kind of a callback to like that original scene. And it now features Venkman getting shocked excessively, I think to like <laughs> make up for yeah. the original scene. <laughs> And then at the end, Winston is revealed to be a wealthy businessman who uses his resources to tend the Ghostbusters properties, including their firehouse, and had the Ecto-1, the car, completely restored. He's also the one who's been paying the bills on Ray Stance's bookshop, which is not doing very well. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And in the final shot, a red light is shown blinking in the Ecto containment unit which means that there are more ghosts for another sequel. (laughs) Which honestly I'm here for and we can get more into it, but this reboot, I feel like this reboot is a start of like the new Ghostbusters franchise in our generation. And I love that shit. Really? Yeah. Really? (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Anyway, I don't feel that way, but um, it's time for a break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And we're ready to go. We are ready to go. All right. Someone is clearly uh, motivated to talk about this movie. How about you go first? Uh, Okay. I like, I understand what they were trying to do to introduce (laughs) it to a new generation, but I personally felt that their portrayal of kids dynamics was not that great. And like, Mm. I just don't believe that kids would bully kids the way that they do bully kids in this movie. And then um secondly what was I gonna say I'm still mad about Winston I was mad about Winston before and I'm still mad about Winston like interesting like in the first movie they cut his part to make Bill Murray a bigger jerk and in this movie (laughs) they gave him the post-credit scene at the end of the credits they reveal oh I'm a businessman and the Ghostbusters inspired me to overcome barriers against people like me aka racism and now I'm a wealthy businessman and I keep Mm. the Ghostbusters legacy and I'm like well you couldn't just give him a bigger part in the story just give him a bigger part in the story stop relegating him to the end like I understand that as a response but I don't like it and then the the mid-credit scene where you know Dana's shocking Bankman I understand that as a response to Bankman like shocking all those people in his lab and that's highly unethical but like all those men specifically men too. specifically yeah but like I still think that's highly unethical all right so uh, I just wanted to touch back on a couple points so okay are you saying that you would have liked to seen Winston's character more in this film or in the franchise yeah. overall I would have liked to see him more in the film this film or like I mean mm. I haven't seen two so I don't know if they gave him a bigger yeah I don't really remember so mm. I can't speak to it yeah I mean I, I like the fact that they brought back the original cast but yeah. they were all kind of like they all had their scenes that highlighted them like yeah. Dan, Dan Aykroyd answers the phone when Phoebe calls Venkman and then Sigourney Weaver's character whose name I forgot like they're talking Dana yeah they're talking about um you know back in the old days and they're kind of remedying that and I I liked Winston's scene as well because like yeah they should have given more screen time but I did think that they helped to remedy some of the shittier things that they did to his character you know he he's the successful Ghostbuster he is the one who 
has wealth, who's giving, who's experienced. Yeah, but they put him at the end of the movie after the credits where only like 50% of the people were going to see him. There were like 10 people yeah. in my theater when I saw it and one person stayed to see that. So oh, 50, really? 50 is me being very generous. Oh, okay. Everyone stayed to see the after credits scene in my theater, but they were telling us when we were going in, stay until the very, very end. Yeah. So, so they told you, but like no one yeah. was going to stay organically. No one told us. The reason <laughs> I saw it is because uh the the movie studio people were there doing a survey on us so they <laughs> told us to go back in and we were like well you're like movie studio survey people we're gonna listen to you yeah, but yeah. i'm not gonna ask questions just give me paper to sign I got yeah you. okay yeah okay i yeah i can definitely get that i kind of i'm kind of choosing to treat it like uh any marvel movie mm-hmm. where like you know it's gonna have a post-credit scene so like you stay Mm-hmm. so i i love the fact that they're kind of building on that yeah 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 but i did like the fact that they did highlight each and every original ghostbusters that's still living yeah i mean true like i won't lie i was very touched by the tribute to harold ramus and i was very like yeah. you know they put four harold up <laughs> as his like ghost dissolves and it's like ah. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah yeah and I felt like that part of the story was very well done but like like everything mm-hmm. else I feel like needed just a little bit <laughs> thank you for getting your rant out um <laughs> so uh, for me overall I really enjoyed this film I mm-hmm. thought that it was an excellent blend between the original version and a modern take so, really yeah because the comedy was different Mm -hmm. And the way I chose to see it was that it represents how humor and how comedy has changed since the 80s, which, oh baby, it has changed so much. Fair, fair. (laughs) No, I mean, if we compare it to the 80s where, like, you know, violating ethics board rules was considered humor... And, yeah. and like, you know, workplace abuse of Janine Melnitz was considered humor to like what they did in this movie. You can say it made a big improvement. You could definitely say that. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. a very crude and unrefined humor back then, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I did like that. Obviously, I also loved it from the nostalgia factor because I love mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. That's why Yo, I made yeah, you watch I it. You like it. I remember you like this. You yeah. Actually- <laughs> yeah. This was like my go-to like stupid movie to watch. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was also pleasantly surprised because I went into this film thinking it was just going to be like similar to the original where it's just like action packed with yeah. some Ghostbusters culture just thrown in. Mm-hmm. But I was absolutely floored by the sentimentality that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I love the thought that was put behind the central storyline. Like I'm such a sap. And this movie touched me to the point where I was literally tearing up at mm-hmm. the very end when they mm-hmm. show Harold Ramis's ghost, mm-hmm. because you can tell like this was a, a work of love. This was an a powerful and intentional homage to him. Yeah, and I mean, to my mm-hmm. understanding, he was trying very hard to get another sequel made, mm-hmm. and then he passed. So like. It was good that, you know, they were able to reunite around him. And like, that's the only part of me that's like, well, I guess that's why the story <laughs> centered around Harold and not around like Winston, because, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, like Harold uh, Egon was the one who passed away and everything. So I do understand that. But part of me also wishes that they'd given a bigger thing for Winston. 
No, for sure. And we kind of touched on this during our Ghostbusters episode, but just as a reminder to our dear audience. So Harold Ramis co-wrote the original script with Dan mm. Aykroyd. Yes. So it's very fitting in my mind that they decided to have an homage to him since mm. the actor actually passed away a couple years mm. ago. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was just me being a little sad and crying. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it was really good. And they like, the CGI looked convincing. It was good that they didn't have him talk. He just kind of showed up and waved as a ghost. That, oh my God, that part yeah. made me cry so much because it made me realize like, oh my God, it's been a minute since the actor has passed. Mm. So I don't know if they had like any voice recordings of him before they lost him, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, literally like bawling, like, oh my God, they don't even have his voice in this film. Yeah. Oh my God. No, but it was good. They didn't need his voice <laughs> to make it powerful, you know? I I much more preferred it that he didn't speak for sure. Oh yeah, it was going to be horrible if he spoke. So. <laughs> I mean, now they kind of do have to like explain why Muncher the ghost looks like a green or purple booger and why uh, Egon's ghost looks like an ethereal human an angel like <laughs> I guess they should if I'm being really picky but they don't have to okay wait okay so I know you thought the muncher looked like a booger yeah Dude, I thought he looked like a tardigrade like a water bear so you I thought he was a lot cute. nicer you are a lot <laughs> nicer to him I mean I love tardigrades and so when I saw the muncher I was just like oh my god he's so cute I love him I yes. <laughs> don't know what that is but I'll take your word for it oh my god I'm better I'm gonna send you something tardigrade related. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Yeah. Do you see with like the multiple limbs and everything? Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. I mean, yeah, that makes it a lot more cuter than what I thought it was <laughs> for sure. Um, and I think, um, I think Egon showed up as being this like ethereal being because <laughs> he died from a heart attack being chased down from one of the guard dogs. Yeah. And I think he had like. You know, it's how people say, like, if you have unsettled business on Earth, yeah, then you come back to... Then what was yeah. Muncher's unsettled business? Dude, uh, take that up with Gozer, man. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I get it. Like, they don't have to explain it. That's for storytelling purposes. Egon should not come back as Muncher. No. Um, <laughs> I did think it was funny, though, that, like, after they set the traps to trapping Gozer, all the ghosts fly in except for Egon. Yeah. And like literally, like I there was a moment where I was like, wait, what the fuck? He's also a ghost. He should be in the trap. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, so like, yeah, there is some inconsistency there, but we can let it go for yeah. the storytelling purposes. We are not the nitpicky nitpicker movie people. <laughs> no, definitely not. No. <laughs> oh, uh, I did have one more comment about the film yeah, as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did like the fact that the most prominent theme in this film is the concept of legacy and mm -hmm. what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So obviously you have the storyline legacy where it's all centered around the Spangler family and it highlights these cute little like similarities that exist between Phoebe and her granddad Egon as yeah. being like nerdy scientists. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did want to give a quick shout out. So there's another cool legacy that exists in this film franchise, mm -hmm. and that's between the Reitman family. Mm -hmm. So Yvonne Reitman directed the first two, or sorry, produced the first two Ghostbusters movies. Mm -hmm. And then his son, Jason, 
worked on this film. Mm -hmm. So it's basically this beautiful continuation of like a family filmmaking legacy. Yeah. And apparently in interviews, Jason Reitman was talking about how his dad was on set every single day looking at every single shot that he took Mm -hmm. and I thought that that was awesome because like it's not easy one to have your dad with you but like it's not easy to have a successful follow-up film for such an endearing classic like yeah the 2016 film oh baby yeah we're not even gonna talk about that one oh yeah I mean even if you think about it the character Lucky she talks about how she's grown up in Somerville all her life and she doesn't know if she's gonna stay or leave and I think she Mm -hmm. even asked like what will my legacy be she says something similar to that I'm not sure if she says exactly that line but yeah yeah I I like how she also says that she's fourth generation dumb yeah she's the fourth generation of her family that's lived in like this small ass middle of nowhere town yeah yeah no so you know like I I think you're right in that that theme is pretty well well explored or at least explored Mm -hmm. a little bit it's pretty consistent yeah all right see do you want to pivot to character breakdown (laughs) all right so let's start at the top with our uh number one star Phoebe Spangler Yes. So that's Callie's daughter. She's Egon's granddaughter and she's the scientific genius. I think she's also meant to be like neurodivergent of some kind because she says like, I feel emotions. I just don't express them as much. Yeah. And there's another line she has where she says overstimulation calms me. Yeah. Which I thought was very interesting. Like, (laughs) yeah, I've never heard a kid say that, but maybe that's just for my own lack of exposure. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think you might be onto something there. Yeah. It's not like super clear what it is. And I don't have enough experience myself to try Mm -hmm. to understand like what specifically they were trying to go for, but something was there. And if so, then you know, it seemed like a positive representation. So whoop whoop. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Like it didn't, it wasn't like, oh, her, her mental difference is her superpower or anything crazy like that. It was kind of just like, you know, she has this, but she's also like, you know, very smart and very scientifically oriented. And Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So uh, I thought her, uh, and by when I say her, hold on. I thought that McKenna Grace's portrayal of the character was endearing and mm-hmm. awkward enough to make me laugh several times during the mm-hmm. film. Like yeah. the super dorky joke that she makes with Gary Gruberson <laughs> when they're talking about the seismic maps was like, lit- like literally I was like laughing my heart out. That was awesome. <laughs> um, and I like the fact that her nerdiness wasn't done in such a way that made her feel like a trope or a caricature yeah. of a nerd. Yeah. Yeah. which is exactly how Egon is portrayed in the original. So yeah. I think that was another- Legacy uh, turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was something else that they were able to remedy for sure. Yeah, no, that's true actually, because like, like they could have, I definitely see how she is like a response to like the portrayal of Egon in some mm-hmm. ways. And I, I do like that for her, like just how she's able to turn it around in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I did enjoy seeing uh, her interact with different characters on the screen since she has this very like natural friendly chemistry with both the goofy young kid podcast and Mm -hmm. also like the kooky weird summer school teacher Gary Gruberson. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
And so, yeah, just because she was like different from them didn't mean that she had to be like ostracized. She could still be her awkward self and just make friends like (laughs) everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's this joke between Phoebe and her mom where they Mm -hmm. lovingly say to each other, like, don't be yourself, Mm -hmm. but, (laughs) but like they say it in such a way that is, is joking. And then they also demonstrate how you can just be true to yourself with her character. So I really did enjoy that. Yeah, no, I do think that was nice too. Like the concept of irony. Yeah. Um, And then, okay, so my one last comment about um, Phoebe is that the scene where she goes down to the basement and she Mm -hmm. finds all of Egon's equipment and when Mm -hmm. she like finds the Ghostbuster suits and then pulls out his glasses. Yeah. And she holds them up to her face and they're like the perfect match between like her glasses and grandfather's like, oh. Oh, that symbolism had me crying yeah crying. no I mean I was not crying but I do <laughs> I do feel what you mean by that in terms of just the uh just like the legacy theme and how they managed mm-hmm. to to capture it because I think you're right this is like yeah. a lot about the legacy and correcting the legacy where it was wrong and improving it and things mm-hmm. like that yeah yeah and it, it also just shows like it it shows not tells how phoebe sees the world in a similar yeah. way to her grandfather yeah and it like humanizes yeah. her grandfather a lot yeah mm-hmm. and like yeah. oh oh well done yeah <laughs> whoever yeah. wrote this that was beautiful well done yeah <laughs> um yeah that's all i had on phoebe <laughs> no i mean i think you you had a lot more than me i didn't even think about the legacy thing until you said it but like yeah you're right I it honestly didn't hit until I found out that Jason Reitman's dad did Ghostbusters, and then I was like, "Oh, oh. <laughs> this this is all about family." Yeah, no, I mean, I saw the family part, but I didn't think about how it's like not just family, but it's like you know, correcting mistakes in the past, and mm-hmm. and like you know, in humanizing Egon, they also like correct a lot of the mistakes of the first movie. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to pivot to her brother, Trevor Spangler? Yeah, he was so awkward at the beginning. (laughs) And specifically, he, his character, made me feel like they failed to capture how bullies act just a little bit. Okay. You know, like, because at the beginning, right, he's at the diner, he sees Lucky, he immediately, like, falls in love with her. So he pretends he's, like, 17 to go work in the diner with Lucky and then. immediately all the other kids who work at the diner start picking on him and it's like yeah okay (laughs) and they call him like hey Casanova does anyone know who Casanova is wait are you serious no I mean like younger kids do you think know who Casanova is like I know and you know but like younger kids a 13 year old kid off the street do you think he'd be like hey Casanova that that is interesting right because like I've never seen this film and I probably never will. Yeah. But we still like perfectly understand the reference. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I don't know if Generation Alpha ugh, makes me feel old. Um, if Generation Alpha would know what that is or not. But what is Generation Alpha for all the people who are even older than us who don't know it? Yeah, so that is the the latest generation. That is the, I think now teens. Oh shit yeah right doesn't that make you feel old yeah they were born in like 2007 
yeah or even like 2009 at this rate yeah yeah nasty you know like I just I don't know if one of them would know what a Casanova is just saying that's why I didn't get some of the humor Mm. yeah you know I got you it was like it was like someone older was like putting these words in a younger person's mouth and being like yeah this works that's what it felt like and even the summer school scene where they're just watching that like VHS movie (laughs) I was like yeah but like this feels like that would have been summer school 10 years ago I would buy it I don't believe that's summer school today and I know they try to justify it by saying that like Somerville is like a dirt town in the middle of nowhere in a mm-hmm. dump so like everyone's a little bit like back in time but I just mm-hmm. I didn't really buy it as as someone who has lived in a uh, a very small very small and not as developed town oh I would okay. say that that is very possible oh okay well <laughs> I am enlightened by this news um I'm glad because I would not have bought it but if you're saying that it's possible then I I have no choice but to believe you <laughs> okay so maybe like you know the setting and like the diner and those things are realistic but like Casanova <laughs> I, I I did think it was funny that the first movie that the teacher makes him watch is Cujo, which ah. is one of Stephen King's earlier works. So mm-hmm. I thought that was a really like nice nod mm. towards Stephen King. Like, I love it. I love it. Beautiful. Uh, I didn't know that, but it's good that you know that. And <laughs> yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, it's one of those like stories that I kind of don't want to read about because it's about a rabid dog. And I don't, you know, dogs are perfect in my mind. I don't want to yeah, think about yeah. that. <laughs> But yeah, back to Finn. So <laughs> the only notes I have about Finn Wolfhard playing Trevor mm-hmm. was that uh, I absolutely love this actor because mm-hmm. he's in Stranger Things and like he is also a very awkward, nerdy character. Mm-hmm. So he definitely plays that role well. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find his relationship with his mom and sister to be sweet and typical of a young yeah. teenage boy. Yes. Did I buy him single-handedly repairing the Ectomobile? No. No. <laughs> Did I buy any of them putting on the Ghostbusters suits, which are the Ghostbusters suits of Egon Spangler and fitting into them? No. Because as like a four, four and a half, maybe five foot tall kid, you're not going to fit into the suit of a six foot tall grown man. I just don't believe that whatsoever. Yeah, it would have been funny if they had a scene where they're like, washing the suits and they just shrink in the dryer like that would have been awesome you know I mean that that probably would have worked as both humor and as just like oh that's why they fit into the suits now. yeah that's why you're not tripping over your feet every 20 seconds yeah but, you know because yeah. like because like yeah that part I was like well I mean sure <laughs> sure oh yeah I, I just ignored that part my my movie brain activated and I was like yeah this makes sense Uh, no you have to you gotta (laughs) activate your movie brain for some of these things um I and then but only other point I had about Trevor was that he didn't really have much of a character in this film other being like a typical like I'm gonna fix cars and chase girls type of boy yeah I I did enjoy how supportive he was of his Mm -hmm. sister and how like quick to accept the situation he was Mm -hmm. so like overall it made him be very likable Mm -hmm. even though like he was very much a side character you know (laughs) like he wasn't fully fleshed out 
That is true. Yeah, no, I would say compared to, yeah, compared to everyone else, I think the only real flesh out characters are like Phoebe podcast, just because mm-hmm. he just has a podcast. That's his character. <laughs> and uh, Callie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a good transition. Wait, okay. I did not think that Callie's character was well fleshed out. I think you could be right about that too. I think she's fleshed out in the sense that you can tell that she's obviously really disappointed in Egon. Mm-hmm. But to me, I would agree with you in that it's not clear whether she's like, like what her other deal is. Yeah, like I get the fact that she's the broken parent. She's mm-hmm. the struggling single mom. So we do get that trope out of this. Um, she's so, been evicted, but like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I did think that they kind of hounded a little bit too much or they repeated her trauma of losing her dad a little bit too much to the point where I was like okay we get it we Mm -hmm. lost like you know like I was just like all right come on like let's let's move on let's give this character something else Mm -hmm. um so (laughs) that's true yeah because if she's bad with money we don't see her being bad with money in the film necessarily or if they Mm -hmm. say like okay yeah I think you do have a point there because they say a lot about she's a broken parent she's bad with money all these things but like they seem to be managing yeah honestly like they really hounded on the fact that she lost her dad because they were trying to push for that like meaningful redemption arc at the very end um where Egon and her finally like you know they have like their moment where she's hugging him oh my god (laughs) this is gonna make me tear up (laughs) But I think that there was too much emphasis on that than like her as a person. That's actually, that's a fair point. Yeah. Like, cause you don't really, you know, that she is traumatized by that, but it's hard to see how the trauma affects her aside from the fact that like, you know, she gets evicted, but then you don't see like what the process was for her getting evicted and she's not displaying. Cause once mm-hmm. they're at the the house, like the, the dirt house, it's not like she's abandoning the kids there. It seems like she's doing her best with them. Yeah, she's definitely like a very caring but broken mother figure, I would say. Yeah. I <laughs> I did enjoy seeing her dating scenes with Gary Gruberson, but again, a lot of that centered around like her relationships to men. Yeah. So her relationships with uh, the kid's dad and also I mean, uh, yeah, now that you think about it, I don't even really buy the relationship with Gary Gruberson outside of like this movie. Yeah, like, I mean, if that were in real life, I would just be like, are you sure he's not like this weird? That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I mean, he is very weird. Yeah, that's true. He is weird, but like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to take that as a pivot. (laughs) Okay, Gary Gruberson. Gary Gruberson. So um, I love Paul Rod and absolutely anything he does. Mm-hmm. I thought that he was the perfect casting choice for the kooky but excitable uh, summer school teacher. Yeah, so he basically starts off as a summer school teacher to Phoebe, and then Phoebe's like looking at his uh, earthquake maps, and she's like, "Wait a minute, these earthquakes are weird." And he's like, "Yeah, you're right; these earthquakes are weird." <laughs> and then he takes the kids on this series of like, I guess, irresponsible adventures. <laughs> like he opens the ghost trap by powering it with a school bus, which is what releases the Muncher ghost, which, like you know, is is very appropriate for what you do with kids in summer school opening ghost traps yeah for sure yeah yeah Yeah. I remember that when 
I was in summer school and we did that yeah, for sure. Yeah, we did that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he definitely barely acts like he's an adult, mm. which is like, and I'm so sorry to say this, that's like the cookie cutter character that Paul Rudd plays in mm. like a lot of his films. So like I obviously see. obviously he does it well. Um, but I just thought that he was like the perfect fit for this movie. Um, I would agree with you. Yeah, if that's what he plays, then yeah, he did a good job playing it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's even him as like Ant-Man in the uh, Marvel franchise. Oh, he is Ant-Man? I'm pretty sure, but I'm about to check myself. I've seen like half of Ant-Man. Maybe one Ant-Man. I don't know. <laughs> one and a half Ant-Mans, please. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, he's Ant-Man. Okay, we're good. Okay. <laughs> I was about to be like, I can't disappoint our Marvel stands. No, I mean, the Marvel stands are going to be disappointed in me once they know my opinions on Marvel, so it's fine. I, I also have some hot takes about Marvel, and I will literally go to a movie theater and watch every single new Marvel release. Like, I'm that type of person. So, uh, we went off on a side note. <laughs> okay, we're coming back. Um... Where were we? Paul Rudd. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I I said all I had to say about him. I'm good. Okay. Podcast. <laughs> Yay. Podcast. Podcast just goes around and like, you know, he's like holding his little voice recorder and dramatically monologues throughout the whole film. <laughs> it is a good device to um like, you know, add some suspense to the narration without it being like there's an overdramatic character and that's why there's suspense. So I liked that. And I think that Logan Kim gave that part a lot of personality. So it seemed like podcast was just quirky. And that's why he would go around over dramatically narrating things and was a good part of his personality. Yeah, I so I love podcasts. For Mm -hmm. me personally, he stole the show. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that there was a lot of potential in the beginning of the film for him to be represented as like this typical annoying kid. Yeah, but it quickly like the film quickly pivots and shows how sweet he is and how accepting a Phoebe and all other craziness is yeah uh, which made me appreciate him so much yeah no and you're absolutely right because he could have been played in a way that made him very annoying but Logan Kim made him very charismatic yeah Mm -hmm. hard to agree yeah I love oh my god I love one of the ending scenes when Mm Bill Murray, or sorry, Dan Aykroyd is on the scene, mm-hmm. and he finds out that podcasts uh, is the creator of this certain podcast that he listens to, mm-hmm. and that's when that's when podcast is like, "You're my one subscriber." <laughs> I was just like, "Oh my god, that is yeah. so fucking cute." Yeah, no, 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 that was a really good touch, and that was adorable. Yeah, I was like, it, it was like stupid little like side stories like that in the film that came back that yeah. I was just like I love this like yeah. this so, so I will I'll yeah. agree with you that was heartwarming too yeah yeah I thought yeah. it was sweet uh-huh. <laughs> um I don't really have much to say about Lucky other than she's uh, the love interest and she's the typical cool girl yeah she is yeah I mean there's yeah I'm trying to think. I mean, she is interesting. She kind of does like reject slash bully slash mess with Trevor before she decides that she likes him. But like, Mm -hmm. it was nothing like atypical of like a teenager and another teenager. Yeah, like they were both. 
reserved and awkward enough in their own regard that I was like okay yeah you're teenagers yeah yeah like you could buy it and at the end she became like a sweet person helping to fight the ghosts as well so yeah that was good yeah I think it really goes back to the idea that she's not fourth generation dumb and that there is a lot to her character Mm -hmm. I would have liked to have seen her more and like that tiny snippet of the story that we got where her dad is the police chief like I had so many questions firing off in my head I was like wait a minute what the fuck (laughs) like what (laughs) okay yeah I mean yeah that's true I think there could have been more explored around that but if you consider that Trevor's kind of secondary then that makes her kind of secondary and that's fair Yeah. yeah she's just there to be like the 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 eye candy of the film honestly just yeah, like, that is kind of like the yeah. eye candy in a family friendly way that would be cute and awkward to teenagers, but like unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, kind of like how Sigourney Weaver was the eye candy for adults in the yeah. original Ghostbusters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh um, I didn't have much for the reprising of characters, but I did want to say that I thought Bill Murray's character was so like so much funnier in this film Mm. (laughs) like the fact that he calls gozer flat top and he's just like still so nonchalant about the whole situation is just like god damn it you haven't changed at all (laughs) no i will agree with you and i like how they use this character to respond to some of his more jerky moments in the original Mm -hmm. yeah i thought that was good yeah and then I didn't really have much for Dan Aykroyd other than um, thank you for creating this Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then for Winston, I already talked about my whole thing. I I did want to mention a little Easter egg that I yeah. enjoyed. So what? at the very end, after they defeat Gozer, mm-hmm. they there's a scene where it's just uh, Winston's character and he's looking at the Ecto- one mobile the ghost busting mobile yeah and he looks at it and he's like yeah i can fix that in a week (laughs) (laughs) and i took that as i took it as being an homage to his original characters being a mechanic oh yeah yeah yeah. and the fact that they kind of cut that out from the original film so yeah i did think in a way that they were also remedying the fact that they cut that from his character in the original film so I thought that that was awesome. And yeah, I was like, well, like, come on. His company doesn't even have a name. We don't even know what he does. I mean, he could be a media executive, a car executive. He uh, he said that he works in finance. Oh, right. But that's like so vague. Oh, come <laughs> on. So yeah, there are many finance bros who can only talk about finance from a very high level perspective, as in it is finance. That's all we're going to say. Yep. And uh, apparently that's realistic for Winston's character to say, I work in finance and now I'm done. So <laughs> that's it. Now I'm super rich. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure. 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 Fine. I guess he gets that. He just, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um. I did I did love the fact that like he he was the ghostbuster who got the least amount of love in the original yeah. mm-hmm. and he was the one who ended up supporting everyone. Yeah, <laughs> like- I mean, well they had to do that because like otherwise like they could at least fictionally give him some success because they cut a lot of his part in the movie. Yeah, it's definitely the least they could fucking do for sure. Yeah, okay. Uh 
Dana Barrett and Janine Melnitz. I think they were just there. They were funny. <laughs> they did their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe that Annie Potts. Mm-hmm. Sorry, as Janine. That's like the first original cameo that we see. Mm-hmm. And yes. like when I saw her, I literally like screamed in the theater. <laughs> it was so bad. I was just like, oh my God, it's that bitch. <laughs> I love her. I mean, I question why she didn't just like separate from the Ghostbusters, given how horrible they were to her as an employee. But I guess yeah. for the sake of the, the movie, she has to be there. I I kind of wonder. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you remember this or not from our Ghostbusters episode, but mm-hmm. Janine's character is supposed to have this like love storyline with, with Egon. Egon. Yeah. yeah. And when she shows up to the farmhouse and she says that she's managing the estate, like, I kind of wonder, like, did they ever get together? Did they have a child? Is Callie their child? Clearly, no. But like, yeah, yeah, I do. I did wonder that, too, because I was like, wait, if she's here and she didn't marry Egon, then like, we'll never know. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting that she was managing his estate. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. or maybe it's just that Winston's paying her a lot of money to manage the estate yeah that too yeah, yeah as, as always Winston is a uh, the supportive dad of the Ghostbuster and like I mean I'm assuming that like he's probably like well I can't hire anyone from the outside because then they'll discover all this ghostbusting nonsense please just manage this because yeah. no one else can do it no one must know that I'm fucking awesome yeah <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> all right uh that's all I had for character breakdown Z yeah same here so I don't know what do you think of uh, the possibility of a new Ghostbusters franchise reboot. <laughs> um, are you asking me or our dear audience? I don't know. Let it die. <laughs> Let it rest in peace like Egon Spangler, please. Oh, no. I mean, I I thought that McKenna Grace was charismatic enough that I would love to see like a mini series, mm-hmm. like a limited series of it um I just want to see more of Logan Kim because Logan Kim was my uh obvious favorite he he stole the show for sure yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah but I I have the opinion that like if there were a show to come out I don't know hint and twink wink Dan Aykroyd if there were a show to come out I would probably watch it okay fine fine (laughs) I'm assuming you wouldn't and that's perfectly okay I mean we would probably end up watching it for this podcast in which case I would watch it but would I elect to watch it of my own volition no no I would not (laughs) let it be known world (laughs) let it be known that I did not ask for it and yet here it is (laughs) here we fucking go again yeah Oh, I love the Dolly Parton song. Um, anyways, <laughs> all right. All right. See you next time on the Spooky Corner. Yay. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at, at the underscore spooky underscore corner. And if you guys would so like, go ahead and uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. On Apple Podcasts. We're so fancy. And yeah. if you want more movie reviews, go to NatiSpookyCorner.com and A-T-Y-S SpookyCorner.com.
<laughs> and last but not least, if y'all have any recommendations or if you just want to pop in and say hi, feel free to email us email us at uh, spookycornerpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we were super original with that email. So yeah, thank us for that. It's consistent. That's, yeah. that's how you do branding right. Woo! <laughs>